0: Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Slow Burn Media, an evergreen podcast presents Who Killed? A podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Hello and welcome to episode 158 or so of Who Killed? I am your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media and Evergreen podcast production. On this week's episode, we are going to actually take a look back at the past and one of my interviews with the guys who uh, run crawlspace. and uh, that's Tim and Lance. And they've done a lot on uh, Maura Murray. And that is a case that I had mentioned. I'd like to see solved in 2022. And due to some health issues and uh, some minor uh, hiccups, I needed to uh, pull out an old episode. And I hope you guys enjoy it. They are some characters, and uh, if you haven't listened to their podcast, check it out. It's Crawl Space. They also run Crawl Space Media. And again, they're really good people. And I'm sure they will be a Crime Con. So. Uh, Look forward to seeing them there, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Tim and Lance. This was from My Passion Case, and we discuss the case of Maura Murray. Enjoy. Uh, Thanks a lot for joining me, guys. Uh, We got Tim and Lance here from Missing Maura Murray, and uh, if you're a true crime fanatic or true crime fanatic, listener you are familiar with this case and if you are familiar with this case you're also familiar with Tim and Lance so i have got them here to talk to you guys and uh if you would like to uh explain or introduce yourselves and a little bit about your background and you know what kind of led what kind of things led you to one, hosting a podcast and two, uh, the case.
1: Um, well, mostly the money, yes, um, the fame <laughs> and the women and it's it, the you power, can, the power, the power, the power, um, oh, yeah. the, I don't know, free donuts I get sometimes yeah. because um, everyone in town knows who I am
2: and what the, I do. The cult status. We're yep. basically a cult now. Could,
1: could technically be considered a cult leader if if we wanted to go that path.
2: Um, yeah. Obviously, we don't. Well, yeah, we don't want to commit ourselves one way or the other.
1: <laughs> well, it's gonna lead to commitment.
2: <laughs> I mean, uh, sorry, potato, um, potato. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> that,
0: yeah, it's like that meme. You know, it's like uh, you've got a. I'm not a. I'm not a uh, cult leader, but. I, what do you call your follow? What do you call these people? Oh, uh, my followers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're definitely not cult leaders. Um, but it would be interesting if, if a, some podcaster ever tried to uh, start a cult that way. I'm sure that wouldn't, I'm sure that's probably happened.
2: I'm I'm pretty sure people have tried. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you tried bill, right? Thanks for having us on, by the way. It's really cozy in here with you.
0: Well, I appreciate again, the, uh, the time, I mean, to, uh, to get you guys one cornered for even whatever amount of time I get you for the day is is pretty shocking. Uh, I know you guys <laughs> do, and you're everywhere. Uh, you know, with your business and crime fest and all that shit that's going on. So, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine what your uh, daily uh, schedules like. So
2: micro naps. Yeah. <laughs> you ever Very, heard of The God Helmet? Nah,
0: I, I think of that Seinfeld episode where Kramer slept every 15 minutes, but I don't think of <laughs> 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 But yeah, you know, so anyway, Maura Murray.
1: Yeah, so, so the real answer is we, um, we sort of stumbled into this um, case and business of podcasting. Um, Sort of different ways Uh, I I had done like uh, some fantasy football podcast and a uh, which I'm still actually kind of doing um, and comedy podcast so I had a little experience doing that and Lance unbeknownst to me on the other side of the country here in uh, in Boston Lance was uh, looking into the Mora Murray case online and had come across James Renner's blog and was actually even the first the very first view on YouTube of Alden House Olsen's happy anniversary video. And uh, I think I think that is where Lance's 15 minutes of fame uh began and ended because he'll never he'll never uh get past that I think. Is that
2: right Lance? That's ac- that's actually completely accurate. <laughs> it was yeah. 100% accurate. Uh yeah, the uh the Alden House, House Olsen video has become sort of uh, iconic in the mormurry Murray case, it's the video where he is rocking back and forth and he's looking at his computer screen and he's just cackling and cackling and cackling. And then at the end, he stops laughing abruptly and winks at the camera and the words come up and it says, happy anniversary. And it was right around the anniversary of Moore's disappearance. That was a second video that he had uploaded. The first one was a, a ski ticket. It was a, a cross-country ski pass to Bretton Woods. And that's right around the area where Maura went missing. And it was dated a few days after her disappearance. The video was titled Maura Murray. So he had started this buzz uh, before that happy anniversary video. And James Renner had put on his blog, what the hell is this? And he uh, had a link to the ski ticket video. And I was uh, doing some editing work. And I was refreshing uh, the, the YouTube channel. And I saw his video numbers go from one to two. So, yeah, I was the first one to view that. Um, I have been collecting all of the royalties and, and the accolades, and uh, I've been given several keys to cities since then, yeah. and um, not to mention a Netflix special, it's exclusively dedicated to that day that I discovered the video. <laughs> um, it's a 20-part it's a series that's told over the course of seven years. <laughs> and it's uh, it's won several Emmys and Oscars <laughs> yeah. and a Grammy. So, so you got
0: the uh, Got so you, yeah. you're you're covered.
2: Yeah. So so at that point,
1: Lance um, was was wanting to do a documentary on the case, and this was back in 2013, probably or 2012, I guess. Um, that that happened and then lance um sort of slowly uh became friendly with james renner and i'd say yeah, rapidly rap well yeah yeah i guess I'm so i'm kidding i'm just i'm, uh, I'm just kidding <laughs> and uh and so you decided to do a documentary and you asked me to do it uh with you and so the first thing we did to do that in documentary was jump in a van with James Renner and, uh, drive from Boston to the crash site and then on to Sherbrooke, Quebec and, uh, other places in Quebec, Canada, because that's where Renner thought Maura Murray might be. And so it was like a literal hunt at first, like looking for a person. Um, now so many years, uh, past that, it seems a little silly that we were like, uh, you know, looking like in certain areas and things like that. But at the time it was certainly fascinating and interesting and we knew we were at least filming something out of it. So after that, after we filmed that, that was December of 2013. um, Lance filmed a little bit more with uh, some other people um, up at the crash site that I think we're planning to release uh, sometime soon. And, uh, and then about a year went by and there wasn't much going on. I think, I think ultimately it was hard to meet a lot of armchair detectives or citizen detectives, um, through like email, I guess, by saying, Hey, I'm doing a documentary on people like you, you know, like what's your theory. And, uh, because I think a lot of people, armchair sleuths are private and they'll hop on the phone with you, but to be on a documentary, it's a little bit, little bit much for some of those people
2: so yeah i think it's really permanent for them you know when they're online and they're operating under a certain moniker and they can uh they can behave as liberally as as they want that's one thing they can delete that moniker they can delete comments it can feel like they've separated themselves from it but when it's not in their control anymore i think that changes the the game for them so Started off pretty good. We had James and we had a, a couple um, that had no problem going up to the crash site and being interviewed and another gentleman that had no problem with it. But after that, it, it came to a pretty, pretty grinding halt. Yeah. And, so, uh,
1: yes, yeah, so I guess. So, so that was sort of why we decided to do the podcast was to get more interviews and to get ourselves kind of out there as this, um, you know, documentary crew that was trying to produce this documentary. And uh, the podcast was sort of not our attempt to be accurate about the case because I guess uh, there was really no way to be a- completely accurate, um, not knowing really much of the facts and uh, really not mu- not much of them really being out there other than kind of like rumor and what James has done and um, what some other people have put out there. But it's not like there's much that's public um, or was at that point. So we sort of did the did the podcast to kind of get people talking and uh, it worked and took took on a life of its own. And so that kind of actually became more of the priority uh, than the documentary because it was just, we, we, we could see the numbers. We saw people were listening and we're like, well, we can do this documentary and we, and we didn't stop filming too, I should say. So we were kind of documenting ourselves behind the scenes throughout all that. And then we were approached by the Texas crew production company, um, who eventually made the TV show that turned into the disappearance of Laura Murray TV show that went to oxygen. And so we were sort of like talking to them behind the scenes and keeping the podcast going and really just trying to wait until there was like a budget to investigate. Cause we didn't really have a budget,
2: <laughs> you know? And it was, it was really a lot like a, uh, like a train that you just got on and it was going. And there was a responsibility a responsibility that came along with it, and it became more than you know a really interesting group of people that are passionate about a disappearance so for better or worse it was it was a train that we that we had to see through to the end, or we are seeing through until a certain uh, conclusion I guess yeah, when is it over? gosh yeah seriously um,
1: hopefully hopefully it ends with um, the case being solved uh, sometime soon. Um, And I mean, ultimately, the reason we got involved was because the people were interested in it. But so many people wouldn't be interested in this case if it wasn't completely fascinating. And it seems like Maura Murray vanished into thin air um, on the side of the road uh, on on a Monday night in North Haverhill, New Hampshire.
0: Yeah, I was going to say this is a perfect example or a perfect opportunity for you to just sort of. Give the nuts and bolts about like the, you know, the five W's.
1: Yeah. So Mora was a college student. She was in nursing school at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, which is in uh, sort of western Massachusetts. And she had um, she was 21 at the time. So she had actually previously attended West Point. So she, her grades were so amazing, and she was such an athlete in the track in particular um, that she was accepted into West Point, which is a pretty big deal. And so I think she did okay there for a while, but uh, ultimately sort of seems to have sort of um,
2: caused her own uh, – Dismissal. Dismissal. I would dismissal. think, I think uh, we don't have anything uh, definitive on why – why uh like what was going on in her head when she did this thing she stole a small amount of makeup from a uh from like the school store and that was a violation of their code of ethics and and she 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 ended up uh leaving west point and she went into uh the umass amherst nursing program which is about as it, it's like the next step down so you have west point and then you have the nursing program at UMass. UMass Amherst, and that is a very, very rigorous program. So it's not like she was afraid of the hard work.
1: So, um, so then she was in school and had some friends. And uh, a couple of nights before she disappeared, she actually crashed her father's car, um, going from school to drop the car off at his hotel room um, down the road. And so it's sort of a a weird accident because it's like a T intersection. She's coming down the end of the T where you have to, you know, make a turn. And she didn't. She crashed into a guardrail and there was some snow on the ground. I believe it was snowing at the time. So I think that's why um, she crashed. But she totaled her her dad's car. Um, And then two days later, she uh, didn't tell anybody other than her professors and her i believe her boss at one of her jobs she said that there was a there there was a death in the family and uh she was gonna be away for a little while like i think she said did, did she specify lance like a week or two or something
2: uh i want to say that it was uh at least a, a, at least a week that she was going she she had to leave and it was at least a week but i don't even know if that's anything more than hearsay i think whoever has that specific uh, email, you know, that's probably with the police or something.
1: But. Yeah. I think it was shown
2: in the oxygen show. Was um, it, was it? I think so. I thought so. I it could have, yeah, it could have been. And I could have written that off as like a recreation or something, but I want to say, I want to say it was like four days or a week. Either yeah. way, it was an extended period of time during. Yeah. I'm not sure if she specified. Yeah. During that time frame. Right. So, um, so that, but that was not true that there was any
1: death in the family. So But but it sounds like she just wanted to get away. But the problem is she didn't tell anybody. Um, So nobody, to our knowledge still, after looking into the case as long as we have, um, has said that they know where Maura was going. We know that she ended up about three hours north of Amherst, where she was living at the time, at UMass. And she was sort of about 10 minutes off the highway, off Highway 91. And uh, she was on like a mountain pass road called Route 112. And it's very windy. And her car was found on the side of the road after we think hitting a snowbank. And there was some alcohol found in the car. But the car was locked and her keys, backpack, wallet, phone was taken with her. And there was no sign of foul play at the at the car.
2: To give you a little bit of a sense of the geography up there, Tim said she was about 10 minutes off the highway, which is 91. Uh, that, that road, Route 112, is a pretty common bypass in between Route 93. If you were coming from Boston, you'd go up Route 93. And if you were coming from Western Mass, you'd go up Route 91. So it's east and west. And that's a pretty common pass-through uh, to cut through the mountains. It, it is windy. It does have a lot of uh, uh, hairpin turns on it. And then she happened to spin out of control at the one hairpin turn that, I mean, had probably the most uh, residential population, for probably like, I'd say like two or three miles on either side, there's five five homes right there. She was seen by a number of people. And uh, as far as where she was going, uh, it does sound strange talking about it, like, oh, well, who would do that? But you gotta put yourself back in, in 2004, there's no social media going on. A lot of people, since we started doing this show, have told us, including young women, have said, "Yeah, if I if, if I hike, if I do things that are outdoorsy, and I just need to get away for a couple of days, I'll just go." And and a lot of people just, you know, unfortunately, don't say don't say where they're going because they might not have a destination. And and more recently, I've started to think that she didn't have a destination; she had an idea in her mind because she was on that pass, that Route One Twelve. So she had an idea where she was going, but I don't think she really knew where she was going to go until she arrived.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting, definitely an interesting aspect of the, of the theory, or, you know, of the case, because what did drive her other than herself three hours away and to pick up alcohol in the process?
1: Yeah, I don't know what uh what did drive her. I think she wanted to get away. I mean, that, that's the only thing that I can say that I know. Yeah. Um, I think you know. Yeah,
2: she had just like crashed up her dad's car. She was working on the insurance problems with uh not problems, but she was working on the insurance uh, collection for that, uh, filing the papers and everything. I mean, the the, the school program. that people have said that she's had trouble with her boyfriend at the time. I just think there was a lot of stuff going on, and she might have just had an opportunity to personally say i just need to take a break i need to go and you know clear my head for a couple of days i don't really think it's that weird that she picked up alcohol along the way either
0: no i don't i don't think that in particular is you know odd but the day that she was leaving was wasn't that a monday that she yeah so she said you know she sent that email to her professor said i'm gonna be gone for two weeks or a week or whatever she said Due to a death in the family, you know it's like what drove her to, you know, I mean, if you're going to miss two weeks of school, that's a significant amount of time.
2: I, I don't think it was two weeks. I think I don't know if there was like a determined period of time. I think, uh, okay. I think it might have been like she was probably indicating that she would be back like next week. You know
0: gotcha Leaving
2: on monday she was probably thinking she'd go up a couple days see what happens and for some reason 4 days is in my head but i know that's not specifically right i think i might have just told myself that based on uh just what you know what what we know so far
1: yeah probably um yeah i don't remember anything specific but yeah uh,
2: it is it I, is interesting to show, to the, it goes to show how just semantics might uh influence other people's Um, perception of this because just simply, you know, saying like a week and then that turns into two weeks and now that goes out there and people think like, well, what was she doing for two weeks? It's such a specific period of time, Mm -hmm. you know, just not having that that information is really what's happened with this case and what we try to clear up um, (laughs) pretty much on a daily basis because it's at no fault to anybody when, because it's just there, you know, there's a bunch of information out there and no one really knows what the, what the most accurate piece of information is. But, um,
1: but she did disappear there, um, so the car spun out, she hit the snowbank, and this is a really wild kind of turn, too, um, sort of a 90-degree uh, angle, and um, she spun out, hit a, hit a snowbank, um, the neighbor, the closest neighbor, called 911 and uh, said there was a flurry of activity at, at the trunk. Um, you may have heard that there was a rag found in the tailpipe. We think when, uh, Ms. Westman said that there was flurry of activity by the trunk, that that was Mora um, going into the trunk and putting and taking that rag out and then putting it in the tailpipe herself. We think that was an attempt at trying to get her car out of the little ditch that it was in. Um, and if you're familiar with the case, you'll know what the rag in the tailpipe is. And th- that's sort of the only answer that, um, that I can accept at this point. I, uh, We've completely moved past it, I think. And, uh, I, don't, I don't accept any other theories on it. At this point, I have, to, uh, I have to be honest on that
2: one. Well, I mean, Tim, you've often said that you think that it was uh, some nefarious uh, <laughs> individual that was at a gas station and saw her and stuck the rag in the tailpipe so that he could follow her until she spun out on the road. No. No, that's not. That's incorrect. Although I will, say, I, I will admit, morning.
0: I believe, I believe there was a movie in the ninety or in the nineties <laughs> called Breakdown with Kurt Russell and uh, something similar to that. Where Great movie.
1: That, yeah, that is a good movie. I actually watched that recently. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> Nerve <laughs> wracking. It's all hell because. Yeah, it is. Very, I used to go cool. to school at the University of Utah, and uh, driving from Cleveland to Utah was like, you talk about driving through nothing. Yeah. Yikes. I mean, like, it was like Joyride, that movie Joyride. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. In Wyoming, and and it just, oh, just, there's nothing. I mean, you could hit the scan on the radio and just plays all the way through. And I'm I'm assuming that that's what the, you know, similar conditions are where she disappeared. I mean, because, I mean, what is it up there? Mountains and water and...
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Beautiful mountains, and but she was kind of in the foothills of the White Mountains. I will say, Um, she was sort of at like a mountain pass road, and um, it's sort of it's the road that is is a very windy road. It goes along a river, um, and it goes up very very high, and then it goes down back again, Um, and it kind of connects two highways. The other highway being ninety three, and so you can get up to that part of the country, those two ways, basically those two main ways. So, um, yeah, I think it's pretty rural, but if you were going to dump a car, like Lance has said a lot of times that you just wouldn't have done it there. Like there was three houses that, or at least that, that could have seen the car that did see the car from their window, you know? So if you were, if she was getting away, you know, she just would have driven up the road, like a half a mile and had a much easier time um, so I think the the accident was earnest you know the the area is is pretty rural and um, there are some unsavory individuals in the immediate
2: area, especially at the time since then it's uh cleaned up a little bit but yeah it was a, it was a it was a pretty bad uh, spot for her to get into that accident.
0: do you mind expanding on that just a little bit?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, the more we look into it, the more information we gather, and we have read what is public uh, court documents and statements and uh, just uh, unrelated to mora about some people who live up there. I mean, you can't, can't totally get into specifics, but I mean, there's there, there are documents that, that we've read about neighbors up there that, I mean, it just like turns your stomach what they're what they are being uh, accused and convicted of.
0: Yeah. And I think, he, you know, before, I'm sorry, to jump in there. Um, you know, it's like, I know Renner as well. Uh, he's actually local to me. So uh, I, I've known him for about a decade. And like, I know that when he was investigating the Mihaljevic case, uh, he was just shocked on just how many people fall into that category of unsavory or just straight up creepy.
1: Yeah, I think that's true probably with every case. Um, and, And, you know, it just so happened we came across some of these people because not all of them are guilty, obviously. Maybe one or two of them are, but it's probably not even likely. Um, you know, it, 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 we only came across them because Maura crashed there, you know, like what if she crashed somewhere else? Would we have right. been, uh, we probably would have had a different, uh, the same list with different names. I don't know.
2: Yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> you know? It's everywhere. It's, yeah, it's everywhere. We we've looked into Brianna Maitland's disappearance as well. And we've found the same type of people up in that area, but we've also found really good people in both areas. There's, there's very good people. You have, the You have the transplants that go there and they're retired and they're, you know, amazing people. You have people who have been there for 40 years and they're rooted in and they don't want to be bothered by uh, outsiders coming in and asking questions about something that they have no control over. So there's, there's a few different types of people there and, you know, everywhere.
0: So what happened after uh, Maura had crashed her car and at that point, like, I mean, she's basically out in the middle of the boonies and i mean now i mean they're of course like you mentioned a couple houses but what happens next what's the next big thing that happens?
1: on the morning of august 1st 1966 shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the university of texas campus it marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in
2: america
0: and I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories
2: from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.
0: Happens. Let's hear
2: from this week's
0: sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We all know relationships take work, especially the most important one you have in your life, your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well. But think about it, how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? I go out of my way to take time each day to focus on myself. It's an essential part of my routine. This month, BetterHelp therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. Listeners of this show know I'm a huge proponent of mental health, and I have personally been in therapy since I was a kid. So BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with a therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Who Killed listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash who. That's betterhel dot slash who. All right, we are back.
1: Well, honestly, that's that's basically it, um, except that there was a bus driver that drove past or drove by and stopped and talked to Maura and uh, was the last person uh, that we know talked to Maura and he asked her if she needed help. She said, no, I'm going to call AAA and she showed him her phone and uh, there is sort of different accounts on whether she get out of the car or not. Um at the in that exchange. So I'm not really sure. Butch Atwood, the bus driver, is no longer alive. So uh we can't get him to answer at this point, but <clears throat> um, but so so that's what we know. But we also know that Butch went to his house, which was like a couple hundred yards down the road, and he called nine one one himself as well as the neighbor who was closest. Um and Mora, when she said that she was calling triple she might have been trying to call AAA, but she wasn't calling AAA because there is no service there. Um, And that's true even today in 2019. Um, so, So yes, she was stuck there without the ability to get her car out of there. She needed to rely
2: on someone and she turned Butch down. Yeah. And then in the meantime, you know, Butch goes into his house. Him and his common law wife have a conversation about it the neighbor across the street, Faith Westman, is looking at the car and she's describing the the car, uh, its position and everything to the uh, dispatcher, uh, from the police station. And at some point, uh, the, the best we can tell is that she walked away from the car and walked up the street towards Bradley Hill Road, towards where Butch Atwood, um, lives and where he parked his bus. And that's, that's where the, the scent dogs lost her scent. And that's the only indication of a direction in which she walked or was was picked up, I guess, because they abruptly lost her scent right around the corner of Bradley Hill Road. And Butch Atwood had gone back out to his van, I'm sorry, had gone back out to his bus, was sitting in his bus doing his paperwork, which I guess he normally does in his bus. It's probably like a... Uh, like a bus driver log or something. And he said he saw some cars going by, but he didn't see any people. And then he was enlisted by the arriving officer, Cecil Smith, to uh, help in the search. So he went off towards, in the opposite direction, I believe initially in the opposite direction, he took a loop around, they said, which is around French Pond Road, you can do this loop around, and he didn't see anybody. So somewhere along the lines, and I think it's not a secret that Tim and I believe that she was picked up by somebody, because of the abruptness that her scent uh, was was lost by the dogs. And the fact that no one saw it. No, she didn't knock on any doors. There's no account of that. And it was there one minute, gone, gone the next. And the only way you can do that, unless you can fly, is get picked up by a car.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that I think she willingly got into a car. That's the only thing I'll sort of adjust there. Um, I don't think she was uh, ripped into some car violently or anything like that. Um, I think to me, what's the most likely thing is that she got into a car um, willingly and was taken somewhere and was that I think that person probably did something um, to her. Um now, I think a lot of people will say, but Tim, Occam's razor, the uh, the most likely thing is that she wandered out into the wilderness um, right there. She was in the mountains, and they, she just hasn't been found yet. And I think that's fair. That's fair to say that. So I, th- I think those are the two most likely things. Um, and Lance and I will disagree on if Mora hit her head on the windshield or not. I think it was, uh, the windshield crack was made by her head. Um, and so I think she might've uh, been suffering from a little bit of a head injury and, uh, wasn't thinking clearly. Um, again, as Lance said, the, the the search dogs stopped at a certain point on the street. So I think that's indicative of her maybe getting into the passenger side of a car going the same way that she was traveling. um, So I think I put that at very high likelihood, but I think there's also a chance she kept walking and stumbled into the woods um, and possibly into the river. But I do think with the amount of searches that happened, have happened in the years since, and even the immediate searches, I just kind of think she would have been found.
2: It's uh, very telling when you look at what was left in her car and what she took with her, because what she took with her is really indicative of someone who's expecting to be reunited with her car at some point. Um, just a phone, backpack, wallet, uh, ID, and then the, the car's lock. So phone, keys, wallet. That's what I would take if I was leaving my car briefly and I was going to come back.
0: Yeah. and that, Didn't I she take a backpack too? I mean, I mean, it was like a, I mean, basically, I mean, if you're going to leave your stuff, I mean, you're going to take all the essentials and she actually took all the essentials.
1: Yeah, and we, I believe, and we believe she took some alcohol with her too, I think. Um, we're not 100% clear on what was taken or not.
2: That's where you play the game with um, like the authorities because only they really know for sure what was left and what was taken. And yeah. there's a list of what was left in her car, um, but that was only after it was recovered again from uh, Kathleen Murray, Maura's sister, and they made this list of the things that were left in her car. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of gray area there that the public doesn't know that law enforcement probably does know that maybe is significant, but they don't know yet, or maybe they don't know if it's significant. So they're not going to put anything out there right now. What was
0: the, uh, weather that night? What, was it snowing like significantly that, that night or was it snowing at all? Or was it just, you know, cause you would think that that might play a role in, the ability for the dogs to get a good scent
1: it was uh not snowing it was actually uh sort of unseasonably warm. I think it was in the thirties that night um but uh it snowed i think the next day or no wait I'm sorry, it snowed i'm gonna take it back. I think it snowed the day before and
2: um I, maybe think, it was- I think it snowed the next day there was like a light dusting when when they but it was
1: before the accident, I think, because this it made the search conditions pretty optimal. Like they would
2: have seen her footprints, right? Um, but
0: now the but the weather wasn't a cause for the accident.
2: Uh, no. Who knows? It could have been. I mean, we we don't know. Like she could have hit some ice. Okay. Um, she. I mean, when when you're driving up there and you do take that that route and you take that turn, you can you can maybe, and it's dark too, so you got to keep that in mind. She might've seen something out of the corner of her eye that she thought was like a rabbit, you know? And, and then she looks up and she overcorrects because she, she misjudged the the turn and her car goes into the snow drift and then spins around and gets hung up. Um, it just, it looks like she wasn't expecting that. Uh, it looks like she wasn't expecting that corner. And to be honest, I actually went up there this weekend and was driving and those corners just sneak up on you. They, I, we, we've driven that route. Numerous times and and every time is there's always one curve that just kind of sneaks up on you, and if you're not paying attention or if you've had a little bit to drink and it's the nighttime, you totally see how you could just spin out just based not, on just based on how the uh, geography uh, un, un, unrolls in front of you um,
0: Do they believe that she was drinking while yeah. she was driving okay i
2: don't I don't go so far as to say like drunk driving um, right right but there was open alcohol containers in her car and okay. liquid found around her car.
0: Gotcha.
1: Yeah. We, uh, we think the police are, or they believe that that was the case, but we don't, I uh, guess, know for a fact.
0: Yeah. I, I just remember listening to, you know, one episode of something and hearing about, you know, alcohol on the ceiling and just, you know, assuming that it could possibly be from <clears throat> either an open container or just the crash itself but it does lead you to believe that most likely she was probably drinking at that time especially if she was as stressed out as you know it sounds like she was
1: yeah she was in a very tough nursing program um i think she was probably about to break up with her boyfriend at the time uh who was sort of a um a long-term boyfriend um, but he wasn't anywhere near her uh, he was located in Oklahoma at the time of Maura's disappearance
0: is that Billy Roush
1: yeah that's right okay yeah
0: so like it, so as far as like the snow and the, you know the conditions and stuff like that you said it was optimal for searching um, did they take her like did they automatically think that she was missing or did they, how did they, no. how did they, yeah. How did they apply their police procedures? I guess. Right. The well, they, term.
1: they did uh, enlist the, the help of the bus driver, but um, immediately after the accident and the one officer, they searched a little bit around the vicinity, the immediate vicinity. And then it's in the police report that it's like, Oh, she'll probably show up at, at the cottage hospital which isn't far. And they just assumed, I think that she probably got into a car and was taken to the hospital. Um, and obviously she never showed up. So I think they placed a call to, I think it was Kathleen first. I I can't remember exactly the order of events, but the search didn't take place until I think it was two days later. They, um, they got, you know, the family up there. Bill came from Oklahoma. Um, I, as far as I know, I think UMass police did some investigating with more friends at, at UMass. And I think they coordinated a little bit with the New Hampshire state police. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of it. I mean, you know, there's been a ton of rumors and things like that since. So it really depends what you, what, what rabbit hole you want to go down. But as far as confirmed sightings uh that's it
2: yeah and there's a lot of uh talk about how the police might have you know botched the case from the start and it's like they see a hundred abandoned vehicles with alcohol in them and then the person goes away sobers up and comes back or goes to the hospital it's it's very very common if you if you actually look at the police dispatch log they 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 kept all their eyes, as many eyes out, out there, as many eyes open that they had out there for her that night. And then they had to figure out, first of all, they had to figure out who she was because the car wasn't registered in her name. And then they had to figure out how to contact her dad. And you know, it takes time. And yeah, I mean, going back on it now, I'm a hundred percent sure that all of the police involved would handle it differently.
0: So, speaking of that it's good to segue into her dad what's your thoughts on fred
1: um yeah he uh is laser focused on finding his daughter um even still i think when we got involved in the case um there the the family wasn't as publicly Um, like out for answers as they are now and have been the past few years. So I think that led to some confusion on whether or not uh, they were actually still looking for her. And I think that kind of fed into uh, James Renner's theory of she ran away and she doesn't want to know her family anymore. Um, But that really couldn't be further from the truth. Um, They want answers. And uh, unfortunately I think Fred, his personality doesn't really gel too well with um the new hampshire state police and the way they do things and that's just just like an immovable object meets an unstoppable force i mean oh, I, I think line. <laughs> it's <laughs> just a uh it's just a clash that that is um you know really because uh, it's unfortunate but but it's just like almost like looking at it from a distance now, you know, I don't really know Fred personally, but I see that situation as something that seems like unavoidable. You know, there needs to be uh, some other liaison there. And and there has been. So like the Murray family, they have gotten better at communicating with um, the police because they know they have to work with them to find answers and bring closure.
2: And there is a lot of talk about Fred being, uh, you know, adversarial towards the police and and the family not involved in it. But Again, you got to kind of put yourself back into that time period, 2004, 2005, right up until 2008 or 9. Fred was very active in in searching up there. There, there wasn't a lot of uh, presence on social media about it. And once the social media started to become more of a a tool to uh, to to incorporate in the search, then the family became more present. It doesn't mean that they weren't present in the searches and the investigation prior, but No one knew because they just didn't have Facebook groups about it. So on the surface, it looks like, oh, well, all of a sudden the family's coming out of the woodwork. But it's really not the case at all. It's just there's been a lot more, you know, Facebook groups, the TV show, our podcast. We're talking about it right now. So it just it just it it, their their involvement grew naturally with with society, I guess you'd say.
0: Yeah. I would think that the medium, you know, the podcast medium definitely allows, you know, you guys keep the the story open-ended and similar to what I, you know, kind of follow your formula in that regard with my podcast, because I do believe that both cases are solvable. Um, whether or not you ever get, it's just one of those enigmas or a mystery wrapped in a, enigma whatever the hell the expression is but y- you know what I mean it's just uh I mean there's so many fucking un- unanswered questions
1: Yeah.
0: within the what happened like why didn't she get in the car with Butch but she would have gotten in the car with the next guy
2: I mean yeah. that's that's a frustrating yeah. thing is that yeah. all the unanswered questions you just can't you can't use, like, let that frustration uh, force you into an answer that you're going to then be very uh, protective of. So because there's no answer to something, like, say, the rag and the tailpipe, then you're like, you start making the answer for it. And, and then you start missing, like, the answer was there. You know, so everyone says the rag and the tailpipe, it's so mysterious, and, and I wonder if it was this killer that put it in there, but the answer's right there. Uh, Faith Wetzman says there's a flurry of activity by the trunk. Her dad had told her at one point, put a rag in the tailpipe if you needed to get past like campus police and your car was sputtering and smoking so you didn't get pulled over. It was a temporary fix. And he even says like later on, you know, it was kind of a, it was, wasn't like this isn't, this isn't his words. I'm just paraphrasing. He basically said it was a dumb thing to tell her, but it was a temporary fix. So he had told her to do that. Faith Westman saw this. I mean, it all kind of comes together. So the answers are there. But because everything is so mysterious, people have to make up their, you know, it's so frustrating. So they're, they just get locked in on, on it being what they want it to be in their head, their own narrative. And that's, you know, it's not like it, it's not like it doesn't like, it doesn't do much progress, you know, for the progress of everything.
1: Yeah. You kind of like, um, you, if you want to create a theory, you kind of have to make decisions along the way. It's a little bit like a choose your own adventure. Like if you think one thing early in the story, then you must think something later because you have to, um, or else your your own theory doesn't work, right. but that's, that's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you but, find
0: that a lot with, with the cops, I mean, or with, you know, with cases that they end up being overturned or, you know, wrongful convictions or, you know, People confessing under duress, like you get that hindsight, you know, 2020. It's basically what it boils down to.
2: I actually have better than um 2020 vision. I don't know if you know Tim that. actually does have better it's 2015. Yeah. I have terrible vision.
0: Wait, 2015's better than 2020. Yeah. Because
2: what, what 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 how does it go? What Tim can see 15 <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I you can see at 20 feet what other people have to go 15 feet to see.
0: <laughs> you son of a bitch.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. Another reason to hate him.
0: You're like, I'm dare, not sure if you're like Daredevil.
2: <laughs> oh, you're right. It is 2015. Yeah. Vision yeah. is better than 2020. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mine, Mine's 2040 to put it into perspective. Oh, really? Wow. 2040. So what I see, what most people see at 20... Wait, how does it go? What What I see at 20 feet most people can see at 40 feet wow so i'm three times cooler than you just about but that means that what i see at 20 feet you could see at 30 at 25 feet wow but does that work the opposite way like like uh, the opposite 55 feet
1: or but but doesn't that work like uh, but if I gain something like vision, you gain something like style. Whereas like to every three great jackets you have,
2: I have yep. one. <laughs> oh, because right because your vision's three ta- times greater than mine. <laughs> so so yeah, it's like the blind. Like if I were to go totally blind, you're saying exactly, like hearing yeah. would be like a dog. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly yeah. you'd yeah. start hearing all those whistles and you'd be like what the hell's going on
2: yeah this is gold bill we're giving you gold no
0: so this is oh this is radio gold trust me i mean let's, well, let's reference teen wolf while we're at it i mean shit when <laughs> right now because we're <laughs> talking about dog whistles
2: what a her <laughs> what a better segue i'm more of a teen wolf 2 fan oh Sam, no, you like know. the I jason reference?
0: bateman come on
2: i like the yeah. i like the mtv show oh okay good Guys, I'm a millennial
0: too. Oh no, you're not.
2: Elder <laughs> <laughs> millennial. No, I have no idea if that's still
0: on. I didn't watch it. I don't. I did. Yeah, it's, it's on in
2: the background. Speaking <laughs> of your backgrounds, you have LeBron James's uh, jersey in your background.
0: Yeah, that. Uh, my dad passed away about ten years now. Well, ten years now uh, ago, and uh, that used to actually. He was a a bank, a banker president. You know, he was like the president of the bank and. He had season tickets, and I think that was one of the gifts they gave him, so that's his rookie signed jersey
1: oh nice, sweet, wow, his first stint on the calves
0: yeah, yeah it was uh that was a fun year. I got to uh sit courtside like three times, and uh nice yeah, working in the media wasn't wasn't too shabby i met like I made good friends with uh Mike Snyder, who does like the all the play by play stuff or. At least the halftime and pregame stuff for the Cavs, and uh, cool. I was like, "Yeah, man, can I uh, come down and check it out?" And He's like, "Yeah, just pick up a pass and meet me at <laughs> at, uh, at shoot around." And I literally just was like, "It was like Wayne's World, you know, just walking around with my pass, like, <laughs> I got it, I got it, I'm cool." And they they let me literally walk across the court like during shoot around. It was like, "Holy shit, this is really." actually happening. Wow. <laughs>
1: oh wow. So so you did you did you cover sports or uh or that was just like a one time thing?
0: That was a one time thing. I'm I've always been more of a general assignment. Uh I did investigative producing for a while for uh if you Google Carl Monday, you'll uh Daily Show did a good spoof on him. But yeah, he was uh Cleveland's classic uh sticker microphone in your face and be like, why are you sleeping in your truck? You know, (laughs) what are you taking the city dollars for? And, uh, uh, (laughs) shit, let me tell you, I, the conversations I had with, uh, the people that would call his office, whoa, buddy. Yeah. And and he would look at me and be like, Hey, if they're calling the news station and it still, it still goes today. I'm a producer at five, uh, which is the ABC affiliate here in Cleveland. Oh, very Um, cool. Um, but I only do that on the weekends, which allows me to do the podcasting um, as well, which is nice. And they don't restrict me on what I do. So that's all good, too. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – I don't know where I was going with that. But, yeah, it's fucking Cleveland media and media in general. But
2: I heard Cleveland's got great restaurants.
0: We do actually have great restaurants. Uh, We're a very foodie city. Um, We are, um, I mean, we have Michael Simon, uh, 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 Rocco Whalen. These are guys Are places, they have places all over the country. So um, they all got their start here. And there's like these little pockets of Cleveland that are really great for just like, I mean, just like the best food you'll ever have in your life. I mean, it's really, really good stuff. And I, I can I mean, Cle, Cleveland gets a bad rap, but uh, at least five months of the year, it is a lot of fun.
2: Uh, who who five says this long enough? Yeah. Who says anything bad about Cleveland?
0: Oh, no, I don't know. Yeah. Just about everybody, but
2: <laughs> well, didn't the didn't the river catch on fire?
0: Oh yeah, see exactly. There we go. You know,
2: <laughs> is that is that like an old thing that people from Cleveland are like? Oh, oh yeah, it's, catching on fire.
0: Oh, it's just yeah, it's one of those. Uh, ex- it's exactly what it's like. It's like uh, you think in New York City, and you go, "Ah, oh, the mafia runs the garbage," and you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna cut that out because they probably do. But um, anyway, like. Just saying, it was, uh, you know, the mistake on the lake and all that stuff. We've come a long way. I'll just say that. And Cleveland is actually, it, if you get a chance to ever come, you know, you're here for whatever reason. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I could give you tons of recommendations as far as. Well, it looks
2: as, like you have a nice little uh, studio there in the background. Maybe we could come down and uh, do an in-person show.
0: Yeah Truly be cozy Yeah and uh, Renner comes up From Akron He's only like 30-40 minutes From me And then uh, Nick from True Crime Garage um, As I said Like we talk Like every Couple weeks So um, Heck yeah I mean if you guys Want to do it In person um, Sometime That'd be sweet But yeah I just kind of Expanded the studio Put in the window And All that shit And I had to fight my wife and all that, <laughs> you know. Very
2: cool. Yeah. Hopefully that didn't get to get you into too much trouble. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it was just like, you'll get it when it's done. Like, just trust me. But when there's a big <laughs> hole in the wall, it's a little hard to trust me. So yeah, I don't know. I think well, it looks be- beautiful.
1: Looks top notch. Oh
0: well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, it's. I don't know. You kind of fall into the gear rabbit hole and uh, I did that for a while and then one day it was like, the wife looked at me and was like, you know, you, you got to stop buying shit and you got to kind of start producing. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Good Good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love like all this shit. I, mean, I could do a whole episode on just gear that I've either gone through or I mean, just in a year. I mean I just I I just enjoy that aspect of things. I don't know. I'm not an audio engineer by any stretch and couldn't tell you fucking anything about it, but I like to buy good shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems like you've uh you've bought some good mics and stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Google's an amazing thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> amazon amazon's a dangerous thing
0: oh <laughs> oh don't even get me started on amazon oh shit <laughs> yeah, that, oh yeah especially with like the next day delivery oh
1: <laughs> it's great
0: oh uh, yeah it's great yeah not for your budget but oh, great. Of yeah but it's uh but yeah and just uh let's just before we like you know go too far off base but um uh, is there anything you wanted to say, like, as far as your feelings about where the case stands and what you hope you'll see in the future? Do you guys have any, like, you did the documentary? Do you have anything else planned in that regard? I know you guys have, you know, plug your pluggable, you know, pu- plug the crime fest, plug all that stuff. I mean, So yeah, yeah, your final, what are your final thoughts on the Maura Murray case?
2: Well, I think what's happened and aside from trying to find a solution, which is obviously, you know, the most uh, asked question, which is, you know, what do you think um, happened and where do you, you know, where would you like it to be in, in, you know, a certain period of time? That's, that's a natural question to ask, but something that Tim and I have discovered over the past couple of years is that, by talking about mora's case we've created a platform where we can talk about other cases and we can talk about other missing people and we can simultaneously check in on mora's case and we can we'll, we'll always be getting tips we'll always be in communication with the family and with law enforcement and with the community that looks into it and goes up there and they do their boots on the ground searches and we're always in communication with these people anything new comes up we'll talk about it but we've we've done so many episodes on mora and created this this platform for other people who have missing loved ones that that we can talk about and and raise awareness for like we're trying to do and like we did with more and that's that's what part of the um the the crime fest that we're organizing co-organizing with uh, PI magazine and Unsolved magazine the the publishers of of those uh, magazines we're co-organizing this and it's uh, all about awareness it's all about uh, being an advocate it's all about um doing the right thing with the platform that you've created. And, and I think that's, that's something that's just, it continually becomes more and more apparent to us. That's as mature as I get.
1: Yeah, that's, that's well said. No, no joke needed on my end. Give us a joke. <laughs> horse <laughs> walks into a
2: bar. <laughs> Bartender says, why the long face? The horse says, why am I in Cleveland?
0: Uh, it's what's brown and green and has four legs and will kill you if it falls out of a tree a pool table yeah you know and i and in all reality i do believe that that is exactly what you guys did create uh you i mean you've created a Template for me to follow I know That my platform you know Who killed Amy Maholovic is We've ventured into you know I'm a one man band but you know I've Ventured into other cases and I just did a five part series on the Colonial Parkway murders with Bill Thomas uh, Nick from True Crime Garage was uh, A member of the last two Episodes or a guest on the last two episodes I should say and um, Yeah I do I, I think that this is a great great medium for advocacy and for telling stories that otherwise just kind of get brushed aside. Otherwise it's just being a news producer and having a, a hand on what is written. You just, it's difficult to write and get across a story and even just even in a two minute package, but let alone in a voice over a 20 second spot.
1: Yeah, completely.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's impressive to uh to take something on like that like the uh Amy McHalliver case and work with such personalities, good personalities. You know, you're working with James Renner, and you're working with Nick, and you're all working together. So that's great, you know. Cuz not a lot of people can do that. A lot of people let egos get in their way. I do. I I've, that's why you can't see me on this video because it can't it can contain my ego in the frame. Yeah, he would actually charge you.
1: Um, he would invoice. You. He would actually invoice me, um, which is pretty weird. But I, he does. Yeah, I just uh, invoice
2: both of you right now. So <laughs> if I, got, I, want, I
0: I'm getting charged an appearance fee. You're gonna get. Yeah. a oh, Damn it.
2: Yep. I thought yeah, we
1: pass
0: that
2: through the,
0: I thought we passed it through your agent before come coming.
2: Yeah. What's well, on? They, I'm they my own, own agent. <laughs>
0: You call, the, you call the shots as the shots come, right?
2: Yes. It's a privilege I like it. fee.
0: I like it. I like it. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, that's good shit. Uh, thanks so much. Um, thank you so much. I and mean, now we're just going to do a, fin- you know, sort of okay. like a formal end. But uh, I do appreciate the time, guys. Uh, anybody who isn't familiar with the case, uh, what's the name of your podcast again?
1: Missing Maura Murray and Crawl Space. We also do one about art crime called Empty Frames.
0: All right. And uh, if they did want to get a hold of you on social, you guys have a uh, Twitter account or anything along yep. those lines?
1: Yeah. F- might as well follow the uh, the main um, account. If you can only follow one, follow us at Crawl Space Pod.
0: All right. Right on. Well, again, I really do appreciate the time. I know that uh, both your you guys' schedules are absolutely insane and I can't thank you enough. So thank you very much for joining me today.
1: No, it's well, been a pleasure.
2: A thank you.
0: All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Tim and Lance. That was a throwback due to some minor health issues that impacted my work week. So I apologize. I will have a new episode next week. And, again, Tim and Lance are great. Check out their podcasts, Crawl Space, Missing Maura Murray, uh, all the Crawl Space media stuff they do. They're really a force in the industry. So, as you guys know, I drop new episodes every Friday, and this year I will be back at CrimeCon in Las Vegas for 2022, and that's April 29th through May 1st. And that's a bucket list item for any true crime fan. So if you want to save money on your ticket, you can use my promo code, Who Killed. If you do enjoy this podcast or any of the other shows that I produce, you can help support them by clicking on the donate button on SlowBurnMedia.com. And that's slow minus the W. Or if you want to contribute directly, you can use the Venmo app with my username at Bill-Huffman-3. I will also provide a link in the show notes. Now, every contribution does help keep these slow burn podcasts on the air. You can help leave a five-star review. That keeps the cases that I cover in the spotlight. So, again, if you'd like to stay up to date on the shows that I've done, the cases that I've covered, or whatever's in the pipeline, follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. Thank you guys so much again for listening this week. Until next time... The news landscape in the States has been so
2: partisan for so many decades, so 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. 3 a.m., the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, Glitches in the Matrix, Cult Leaders, Missing 411, Night Marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian Devil Worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off-topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends, trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go.